0: Hi, I'm David Teague.
1: And I'm Kristen Lang.
0: We've been dating for nine months. We met at Forest Hill, actually at her baptism. Here we are now, nine months later.
1: Um, I kind of had been out of church for a while, Um, really wasn't a priority of mine. But um, when I moved to Charlotte, a friend that I was staying with brought me to Forest Hill, um, where I heard David Chadwick preach. And um, I heard the word grace, uh, which I really hadn't heard in the Catholic Church and that really um, started a relationship for me with um, Jesus Christ. It was just amazing to hear that you can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and it's not based on things that you do to please Him but you know just by believing and um, accepting Him as uh, the Son of God that you're saved already. Um, So that was a, a pretty amazing sermon to hear after years of just not having a relationship with Jesus.
0: I was born in Charlotte, and I grew up in a family where you went to church because mom told you to, and you didn't really have an option. Graduated college, got out, I got a job, I definitely didn't pray, I definitely didn't go to church. Um, I got involved with uh, friends, alcohol, um, whoever I was dating at the time. We were having premarital sex, and that was just that was just kind of a thing you did. and. It wasn't until I fell into a relationship with a girl and things started to get really bad that I started to figure out that something was wrong with my life and that I needed to change it.
1: I really started to feel convicted about um, premarital sex. Before that I had been in several relationships and I guess just by today's standards it was a normal part of a relationship. Honestly when they were preaching on it I couldn't even imagine asking someone to refrain from sex in a relationship like I I honestly just didn't think that other people even did that probably in November of 2012 I really um, I just I really just like wanted to give my life to Jesus Jesus can forgive all things and so I just take that I just took the forgiveness and decided that I would just kind of start fresh
0: uh, things progressively got worse in that one relationship I was in. I remember a couple times seeing my friend Daniel Austin in the gym, and he had mentioned coming to a life group. So that night I went to his life group, and I remember two guys I'd never met before and Daniel. Um, they prayed for me. They poured their hearts and soul out for me um, and gave everything to God. And that's when I thought to myself that there has to be more to this uh Christianity thing, and uh, since then I did a 180 and started walking in the other direction.
1: I really started praying about um, meeting a nice Christian guy that would be on the same page as me. I was still kind of doubting that there was a guy that would, um, like, you know, let me know that I'm worth waiting for.
0: I just started praying uh, for God to bring a girl into my life that would be willing to abstain from sex before marriage. You know, it took about a year uh, before He answered. Uh, so I had a little bit of a waiting period that David always talks about it's not fun to wait but you know sometimes you gotta do it.
1: Uh, in April of 2013 I really just said you know I'm gonna let go of everything and I am just I'm gonna get baptized and just give it all to Jesus and I'm like I'm ready to do this. Um,
0: so I kept waiting and eventually in April of 2013 I went to a baptism through Forest Hill. I looked across the pool and I saw Kristen and uh, I thought she was really pretty, and it was just about that time she actually walked up to me.
1: I don't know what led me to walk up to David, but um, it was actually freezing outside, and they were doing the baptisms outside in a pool, and I just asked if the water was heated.
0: I lied and said yes.
1: And he lied to me and said yes.
0: I thought she was pretty.
1: Uh, from there, he asked me out for coffee.
0: We went and got coffee on a Saturday, and. We we talked about pretty much everything, it lasted about four hours. Um, It was like I'd known her my whole life.
1: Things have been great ever since and we've been dating for nine months now and things are awesome. We've been talking about marriage and we're doing premarital counseling and I'm very excited that um, I'll probably be spending the rest of my life with somebody like David who has put his faith in God even above me. which is not the social norm. You want to be number one in someone's life, but um, it makes me so happy that God is number one in His life, and I'll be number two. But um, I'm hopeful that we'll, you know, get married and have a family, and so uh, that's kind of my hope for the future. Well, with
0: that being said, Kristen,
1: <sighs> oh my God,
0: I love you with all my heart, and. I can't imagine somebody that I would want to spend the rest of my life with, so will you marry me?
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. I was not expecting this.
2: She said, yes, aren't you? (laughs) That would have been embarrassing. Oh, my. Uh, David and Kristen are an important part of our church's life, and I hope you enjoyed their their story. That really was uh, a surprise to her, but we're thankful for uh, that surprise, that opportunity. Uh, We're completing the fourth part of a series on the birds and the bees and the Bible, uh, what indeed the Scripture has to teach about sexual purity. Uh, It's not a message that's popular, uh, but it's one that needs to be preached nevertheless. Um, You know, don't you, that your attitudes toward everything in life, but particularly sexual purity, is informed by something. Everybody has a worldview. The question is, what is informing that worldview? Uh, For many of you, uh, the worldview that you have adopted comes out of Hollywood. It's what the media portrays. It's interesting to me that I read a survey this week that says 67% of young Christians believe that premarital sex is okay. When I read that, I conclude that these Christians, and I use the word loosely, have a worldview that's being informed by Hollywood and not the Word of God. I hold tenaciously to a biblical worldview. I look at all areas of life, faith, and practice through the lenses of the Scripture. I, When I became a Christian, placed myself under the authority of God's Word. So I let it interpret me and what I believe. And that's what I've tried to teach you the many years I've been here. Have a biblical worldview. If you call yourselves a follower of Jesus and you're a part of His church, you must have a biblical worldview. Now, what's interesting is in the early church, it was planted right in the middle of the Roman Empire. They had a Greco-Roman worldview that basically was promiscuous and permissive in every area, especially sexual mores. And into that squalor of licentiousness was planted the Holy Church of Jesus Christ. Interestingly, there's a letter to an early Christian named Dognetus talking about why the church was powerfully impacting the entire Roman Empire. And there is a phrase in the letter that is appropriate for today's message. It says, these Christians share their food with everyone and share their wives with no one. They share their food with everyone. They share their wives with no one. They were generous in their giving to social concerns, but they held tenaciously to a biblical worldview that sex is between a man and a woman in a committed, permanent marriage relationship. And in the Roman world where orgies were popular and ongoing, the Christian church said, no, we are a holy island in the middle of a squalor of permissiveness. I want to talk to you today about sexual purity and I want to use two verses as my launching pad. The first is one we've used several times already and it is the most important verse in looking at this subject biblically Genesis 2 24 and then a verse from 1 Peter chapter 1. If you're able out of reverence for the reading of the scripture would you please stand? Genesis, the second chapter, verse 24, pre-fall, before sin entered the world, here's what God intended sexuality and marriage to be. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. As I've showed you before, this is your first time, you'll hear this for the first time. This verse is before sin entered the world. It has three steps. The first step is... a Man and a woman leave their mother and father. They then make public permanent vows to one another for better or worse, sickness and health, rich or poor, as long as we both shall live. And then they become one flesh, which is the sexual term. Notice it's leave, cleave, then sex. That's God's order. That's what he originally intended. That's how he wanted sex and marriage to operate. Within the boundaries of a permanent marriage relationship. Now, I'll ask you this Every time I can, one of the ways you know if something is true is to give it the kingdom of God test. If everyone in the world practiced it, if everyone in the world placed themselves under the king of kings in his kingdom, how would the world operate? And if every person in the world followed these three steps of leave, cleave, then one sex, think how many social ills throughout the world would be gone mostly in one generation. This is God's will for how sex should be used. That is the biblical worldview. It's not Hollywood, but it's what the Scripture clearly teaches. It's God's best. 1 Peter 1, verses 13 through 16, the word of the Lord. Therefore, preparing your minds for action. We prepare our minds, our worldview, how we think, for action. And being sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, to the passions of the world, the world's viewpoint. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. The word holy means different, different from the world's perspective. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, I'm a dad, I'm a granddad. And I've had my kids come to me throughout the years and ask me different questions. I've tried always to answer as a good, loving, caring dad, but also a good, loving, caring dad who believes in the Bible as God's word. Many of you had good dads. If your dad was not a biblically rooted dad, though, I want to be that dad for you today. Some of you had bad dads, absent dads, abusive dads, And they certainly did not give you guidance in every area of your life, particularly human human sexuality. So I want to be that dad for you today. And maybe for some of you, as my hair gets grayer, I'll be a granddad. But I want to speak to you truth. This is going to be a hard-hitting message. I'm going to say some things that might feel a little awkward, especially in these kind of settings. But I must. For my call is not to entertain you, my call is to tell you the truth. And if the truth offends, I'm sorry, talk to God about it. But I'm trying my best to give you what the scripture says is God's truth. For otherwise, I'm just giving you my opinion, and my opinion is no better than your opinion. This is what the word of God says about human sexuality and purity. I'm going to answer some questions that have been asked to me over and over again through the years and by my own children. I hope I'm speaking God's truth to you today. First of all, for teens and singles, and I'm speaking again to Christians here, people who've been called out to be different from the world, to be holy, here are your questions and biblical answers. First of all, how far is too far? (laughs) Our hearts are wicked and deceptive, aren't they? Why don't we ever ask, how little can I go? We always look to stretch God's boundaries to see how far we can go and just not quite sin. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, our hearts are wicked and deceitful above all else. They truly are. But in the area of purity, there is a will from God. And he wants us to be sexually pure. So let me give you the two things my dad always told me every time I was ready to leave for a date that absolutely drove me crazy that I've shared with my children that I share with you today. If you want to remain sexually pure as a single in your dating experience here in our culture, practice these two rules. First of all, nothing below the neck. Secondly, always vertical, never horizontal. Simple but profound. And I hated it whenever he said it to me. I struggled with it just like you do. But I learned if I would practice those two things, for the most part, I could remain sexually pure. That's my counsel for you today. Don't go any farther than that. Secondly, how about oral sex? I don't like talking about it. Our culture has had to talk about it over the last 15 years or so because one of our presidents involved himself with it in the Oval Office. I'm talking now about outside of marriage. For inside of marriage, that's a different story. But outside of marriage, let me remind all of you, biblically, you have what theologians and biblicists have called God as being the unseen seer. The unseen seer. What does that mean? Well, go to Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10, which says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. The unseen seer sees all. There's nothing we do privately. There's nothing that escapes his gaze. So you have to ask yourself the question, with oral sex outside of marriage, is God pleased? When he sees it. Ask another way, do you think Hillary Clinton said to Bill, oh, that's okay, no problem. Probably not. There's only one person who should have access to that part of your body. And that is your wife or husband in marriage. Be holy. God said, be different as I am holy and I am different. Next question, well, what's the big deal if no one's hurt? The truth is God's will for all of our lives is that we be one flesh in that marriage relationship unless he's called us to being single. That's another message for another time. But in marriage, God wants us to be one flesh in a unified relationship with our spouse And whenever you have any kind of sexual relationship outside of that marriage relationship, studies even show it in today's contemporary scientific culture, that a part of you is left upon that person and a part of that person is left upon you. You are literally stripping a part of yourself on another person. That's why, again, the idea of casual sex is an oxymoron from God's perspective, like jumbo shrimp. It's an impossibility. When you have intercourse with somebody, a part of you is left with that person. A part of that person is left with you. That's why Paul in 1 Corinthians 6 said, don't even sleep with a prostitute. Because don't you understand? The two become one flesh. If God's goal is a unified oneship with you and your spouse where you learn how to serve and to give and to care and to love for the other person... When you're stripping away yourself with someone else, you're stripping away your ability to love. That's a big deal. And one of the prophecies of Paul in the New Testament as Jesus approaches his second coming is people will forget how to love because they'll not know the depth of meaning of what love really is. Dear friends, my dad and mom were married 63 years. They knew each other 68 years. In the last 17 years of her life, she had a vicious, slowly progressive form of Alzheimer's. It slowly but surely stripped her of her personality. In the last five years of their marriage, she did not know who my dad was. And yet, my dad faithfully and lovingly went to see her every single day, often stroking her hand and saying to her, I love you, Helen. I love you, Helen. And she didn't even know who he was. That's love. Not Hollywood. That's love. And do you think that had a profound impression upon this young man watching it? What's the big deal? The big deal is learning how to love as Jesus has loved us. Well, everyone else is doing it, David. Well, I'll give you the answer my mom and dad always gave me. Son. Well, that was my dad's voice, okay? All right. Son, if all of your friends are jumping off a bridge, will you jump off the bridge? Any of your parents ever say that to you? Yeah. Well, here's the question. Who's informing your sexual worldview? Your peers or the Word of God? That question suggests your peers define your worldview and how sad that is because their views will change according to their own whims and fancies. Why is porn wrong? Well, porn is wrong because it promotes selfishness. It's a problem mostly with men, although there's a niche market now for women too. Basically, in a private environment, you men mostly are saying to a celluloid model, Meet my needs. Take care of me. I'll ask nothing of you. Just be there always for me. It's an addiction that controls the brain, guys. It is horrifying and will destroy you your marriage and your kids. It's the first step toward the rapidly proliferating problem worldwide called sex trafficking. You dry up the demand, you dry up the supply. Men stop watching porn, sex trafficking goes away, period. Also, when men do this, you're never concerned with your personal hygiene, Your physical appearance or your moral character. In the eyes of yourself, you simply have someone meeting your needs, which is selfishness, which is contrary to the call to love that Jesus has given his world. Get help, have accountability, rid yourself of this horrible addiction. But the best thing to do is nip it in the bud. Job 31.1 says, I have made a covenant with my eyes that I will put no unholy thing before it. Job 31.1, memorize it and make a commitment that you'll put nothing unholy before your eyes because that's where it all begins is with the first gaze. Why is cohabitation wrong? Answer, Genesis 2.24, remember, leave, cleave, then the sexual union. The sexual union follows the vows made publicly. Now, I understand why cohabitation has become such a huge issue in our culture since the 1980s. People of my generation did not keep their vows. Their marriages broke apart. So their children are saying, I'm going to make sure before I get married. At least ostensibly, that's what they say. But here's what's really happening, is for most guys, girls, don't you understand that if we can get the goodies without the commitment, we'll take it. And the divorce rate among those who've cohabitated is twice the national average, which is at 50%. Why? Because any sexual encounter, any living together without a covenant commitment between the man and the wife is doomed to failure. So if you're presently living together, may I adjure you to do what couples have done here over the last years as they've heard this message. To be holy as I am holy. They've come to us and we've counseled them. They've seen that this is wrong. They've actually moved out. And some of you are gulping right now going, how can we make it financially? Here's what I've learned through the years. Where God guides, God provides. Where God guides, God provides. And couple after couple after couple have seen this happen. They move apart. They make vows to purity and chastity. They date each other and do it as God intended. Then they come together in a public ceremony of wedding. And then they express their sexuality thereafter. And everyone has said it has helped our lives to understand purity and holiness before God. But I'm a divorced single. I mean, David, come on. Are you expecting me after I've known human sexuality and the divorce has happened to be faithful and not have that again until I'm married? Answer, yes. Why? Genesis 2, 24. Genesis 2.24 does not say, leave, cleave, then sex, except for those of you who've been divorced. You get a pass. No. In fact, God would say, the next time, do it even more so God's way, for his glory and his glory alone. God intended sex within marriage between a man and a woman. That is his will. Be holy as I am holy. Any comments, David, to the way girls dress? Well, I'm glad you asked. Thank you so much. For some of you girls, you need to know that Jesus put into all of the scriptures teaching one sentence. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and might, and your neighbor as yourself. Gals, you need to know that for us men, it is a huge struggle. Our libido, especially when we're younger, rampages against our souls. You love us, you love your neighbor when you dress modestly. Now, am I suggesting you dress frumpily? No. You can dress stylistically, fashionably. Just keep in mind that the way you dress loves your neighbor or doesn't, especially those of us who are trying To follow Christ in every way. For couples, you say to me, our sex life is dull. What shall we do? And I'm hearing this more and more from couples. First of all, you may need to get counseling. We offer that here. But secondly, you need to realize sex is the result of everything else that's happened in your life. In fact, in 1 Peter 3, there's a suggestion, and studies have proven it to be true sociologically, that great sex happens when couples learn to pray together. Why? Because sex is merely the expression of intimacy that you've known together. Great sex in couples' lives happens not in the morning literally, but in the morning when they begin to relate together. As they care for one another and serve one another and love one another, the expression of that love is then naturally a good sex life. So what is going on in your life that has driven you apart from intimacy with one another? That's the real question. And then go to 1 Corinthians 7, 4 through 5. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer. But then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. If you are to take a season apart from one another, do it to increase your prayer life. But then come back together because you don't want to let Satan have opportunities to tempt you beyond your own self-control. But realize, gals, first of all, your body, when you married your husband, belongs to him. Not to be abused. No. But to be given freely to him as an act of servanthood. When your libido is not great, you're too tired, you still do that to care and serve him. Guys, you do the same for your wives. Because marriage is the Ph.D. of serving. It's learning how to give your life to another person. It's learning how, in Jesus' words in Mark 10, 45, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life away. Marriage is the place where God teaches men and women how to serve one another. Have you figured it out yet? Men and women are terribly different. Anybody deny that? That's why God intended the marriage relationship to be between a man and a woman, not with someone like ourselves but someone who's totally different than ourselves so we can learn how to serve and not be served, to give our lives away. That's God's intent with the intimate relationship. Be holy as I am holy. And for all who ask the question, how can I keep my thoughts pure in this highly charged sexualized society, It's hard. It's hard for this preacher. It's hard for everyone. But here are some thoughts. First of all, you've gotta hate sin. You've gotta hate Hollywood's portrayal of what God intended to be good. You must hate how it's been abused and misused in our culture. And you've gotta hate for what it's done you in your own personal life, stripping you of your ability to love and to serve. You gotta hate it. Remember I've used the illustration before when I was a kid and I ate beets? and I threw up all night long, I still hate beets to this day. If I get near a beet, if I smell a beet, if you put it in my juice drink and I taste it, I get nauseous. To this day, you've got to hate sinfulness in sexual areas like I hate beets. You can't tolerate it. You can't put up with it. You can't coddle it. You can't nudge it. You can't flirt with it. you got to hate it. That's the first step. And what it's done to you and our society. Secondly, though, you've got to love something more. You've got to love something more. And I think that's Jesus. The only way I've ever seen people delivered from an addiction is to love Jesus more than the addiction. Some of you men say to me sometimes, I just can't stop. The addiction's too strong. (laughs) And I always ask you, well, if you're watching the porn scene right there, And let's say somebody walks in and says, hey, I'll give you $10 million to stop. Would you stop? Of course you would. Why? There was a greater motivation. Well, I stop, and many other men have stopped, and other gals have stopped. Why? They hate the problem, but they also know personally the one who has paid not a $10 million, but a $50 billion debt for their sins to be forgiven. And in response to that great love, they love him more than the addiction and start moving toward his health and wholeness. Third, remember there's an unseen seer. He sees everything. And finally, develop a fear of the Lord. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. I want to be wise There's a difference between wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge just knows facts. Wisdom is the practical application of the knowledge. Wisdom begins with a fear of the Lord. Not a retributive fear that God's out to get me, but a holy, awesome respect for who God is. What does that mean? That one day we'll all appear before him. And he will hold us accountable for our lives. He will hold us accountable for our sexual lives. Will that make a difference in how you choose to behave? Dear friends, none of us is immune from this problem. And we have something in the Christian tradition in the church called the Lord's Table that gives us a chance to receive grace. Remember how Kristen said that word grace? It's the heart of the Christian faith. And we can come to Jesus and his grace will wash over all of our sin and give us a chance to begin again fresh, new, holy for his glory.